Well, I've told you before about the wallpaper effect in our Christian lives, haven't I? You know, when you put new wallpaper up, you notice it all the time, and it's new, and it's fresh, and it's different. But then after a few weeks and months and years, you forget about the wallpaper. It just kind of goes into the background, and you forget it's even there almost. Well, with communion, we can have the wallpaper effect, can't we? We do it often. We do it every month as a church. And yet, we can just get into the motions of it. It can slip into just doing it for the sake of doing it. But maybe over this last 20 months, as we kind of didn't do it to partake in the communion uh, while we were on in lockdown and weren't able to because we were uh, all over the place and not together, maybe it has taken on a fresh meaning for you. I pray that it has. But this morning, I want us to zoom in on this passage in Luke 22 and ask, well, why do we do it? What is this all about? Why do we bother with it? Communion, as I said earlier in the service, strips everything else back. It shows us what's really important. It shows us uh, why we're here. And it shows us that we need Jesus. It shows us the gospel message. And not just shows us, but helps us to experience the gospel as well. It gives us a hope, it gives us purpose, it gives us peace, it gives us joy. And if you don't trust in Jesus yet this morning, I pray that as we look at this and as we explain what's happening in in this time of communion, that you will see how great it is. And if you do, I pray that we would see just our need to continually hear the gospel message and the hope that it brings. So why do we bother with communion? Well, the first heading for this morning is because it brings us and it shows us the gospel peace that we need, the gospel peace that we need. Now, remember what meal the disciples were eating here they weren't just having a little thimble of wine and they weren't just having a small square of bread what were they doing well they were eating passover you see that in verse 15 jesus tells them i earnestly desire to eat this passover with you so this was a big festival for jews and still is it is a time where every year they would meet and they would do the same thing the same routines the same uh, meal, the sa- everything was the same every year. Uh, a bit like our Christmas, really. You know, they would have the same routines and they would, they would, um, that would help them to remember what the Passover was. So what is the Passover? What were they remembering? Well, just a quick recap. The Israelites, remember, were slaves in Egypt. Their horrible masters were the Egyptians who were treating them horrendously as they were slaves for them. And this Passover meal was instituted by Moses. It was started by Moses. Uh, And remember, God used Moses to set his people free from slavery. And this was part of the final plague. In every home in Egypt on this night, the Passover, there was going to be a death. The firstborn was going to die. Now, the only way to escape that death and that person dying was to Put your trust in a substitute to find somebody or something to take the place of the firstborn. So what was this substitute? Well, every Jewish family would have taken in a lamb for a few days before um, Passover. And this lamb they would have to kill. And this lamb they would kill and they would get the blood and they would put the blood outside their doors on the doorposts. So that uh, when in the night the Lord uh, would come in judgment and would pass over that house if the blood was on the doorposts. Because that blood was showing a death has happened here. The substitute has taken the place of the firstborn. The lamb has died. So they sheltered under the blood of this lamb, this substitute. 
And this meal was then taking place every year on that day as, as a remembrance of the Passover. God said, I, you must remember this. You must remember how I saved you, how I got you uh, from slavery to the superpower and set you free and you're on the way to the promised land. So Jesus takes this meal, the Passover, that the Jews knew so well, and he says, from now on this changes. This meal is no longer about being set free from Egypt. This meal is now about being set free from sin, from the mastery of sin. This bread is now my body. The, the wine is now going to remind you of my blood. See, the first Passover was just a picture. It was pointing forward to the greater Passover, the greater deliverance from sin and death and evil. And just like the Passover before the deliverance of Egypt, um, showing deliverance, this meal was showing, look, here is your deliverance. This is how you're going to be set free from sin, from death, from evil. And just like Moses started the first Passover, Jesus now, the, the greater Moses says, you know, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to set anybody who trusts in me free. Now, as you look at that and think, this is the Passover meal. What they would have done with the lamb, they would have killed it, but then they'd have uh, eaten the lamb as well. So a Passover meal would have a lamb to eat. Now, do you notice what's missing from this meal that the disciples haven't described here? What was missing from our communion this morning from the Passover? Well, we didn't have any lamb. You might think, well, that's a shame. I enjoy roast lamb. Well, why wasn't there any lamb? Because it's supposed to tell us this. Jesus is the lamb. He's the lamb. He's the one we shelter under. He is our substitute. He takes our place. He is the one who sets us free. Do you remember how John the Baptist introduced Jesus? He said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's come. Jesus is that lamb. He was the one who was slain. The lamb in the Passover was to be unblemished, spotless. You weren't to take one that was half dying anyway. That wouldn't cost you. No, 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 a, a good lamb. And Jesus was the perfect, spotless lamb who was slain. The perfect, unblemished one. He's the one who takes our place, and he's the one who can set us free. Now, if you'd have stopped an Israelite in those days and asked them, what are you doing here? This is how one writer puts it. Uh, who are you, and what is it that's happening? Tell me. They would say this. I was a slave under the sentence of death, but I took shelter under the blood of the Lamb and escaped that bondage, and now I live, and, Christ, and God lives in our midst, and we follow him to the promised land. And isn't that what we say today? What's going on here? Well, let me tell you, I was a slave under the sentence of death and sin, but I took shelter under the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and I've escaped that. I'm now set free, and now Christ lives in me, and I'm following him to glory. See, as we think about the cross, as we think about what this means, as we think about the, the Passover and, and how Jesus fulfilled it, do you see, he wants us to show that this can bring you deep peace. Your pri the price for your sin has been paid. There is forgiveness. There is acceptance in him. Now, maybe today you're sitting here and think, I don't feel free. I feel under slavery. I feel locked into patterns of sin or um, patterns of attitudes in my life, and I just can't seem to break free. Well, we need to come to Jesus, the greater Moses, who says, I can set you free. I'm the all-powerful one. You can trust in me. See, as we think of why we have take communion, it reminds us of what Jesus has done for us, how he is the Passover lamb. And when we trust in him, we are set free. So today, let me ask the question, are you trusting in yourself or in Jesus? Where is your trust? Where is your faith? Who are you hoping in? 
See, remember, the wages of sin is death. And that's what we deserve. So either we take that or we trust in Jesus who takes the punishment in our place. Now, how can the Lord's Supper bring us peace? Well, by remembering what Jesus has done. But here's another way of thinking about it. Um, imagine two families on the night of the Passover in Egypt. And one family were like, you know, they had everything sorted, it seemed. If Moses said something, they did it. They were first in line to get their lamb. Uh, they were ready to obey and they were confident on that night. They slept well because they put the blood on the door. That's what Moses said to do and we trust what he said. But then imagine another family. They listened, but they were terrified. Yes, they got a lamb. Yes, they killed the lamb. Yes, they put the blood on the door, but they, they were scared and they were nervous. Would it work? Were they safe? In the morning, which family was safer? Well, do you see they were both safe, weren't they? Because they both were sheltering under the blood of the lamb. It's not the strength of their faith that mattered, but what their faith was in. So this morning, you might think, oh, I, am I safe? Am I, am I, uh, you know, how am I doing with God? Well, if your trust is in Jesus, he has paid the price. And you are confident, not in yourself, but in him. However weak your faith might feel, because your faith's in him, there's peace to be found. Today, trust in Jesus. Confidence in him and not in your emotions. Confidence in our saviour, not in ourself. That's the peace that the gospel brings. And that's what communion can help us to remember and experience again. Gospel peace. The second thing that communion will help us with, and this last shepherd shows us, if, is that communion brings a gospel posture. A gospel posture. What do I mean by that? Well, in the middle of this meal, look down at verses 21 and 22 with me. Jesus drops this bombshell. Do you see what he says? He says, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom is betrayed. Jesus drops this bombshell and he says, one of you is going to betray me tonight. In verse 20, you know, we know the answer, don't we? We say, well, it's Judas, the betrayer. We know that. But to them, the name Judas wasn't like, uh, they didn't think in their minds Judas equals betrayer. They didn't know. And so verse 23, they began to question, who is it? Who is it? They, they all looked uh, at each other and thought, is it me? Could I be the one? Am I going to betray Jesus? And to kind of bring it even more further, closer to home, he says, isn't he, verse 21, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on this table. You know, there might have been other people in that upper room with them, but the person who's going to betray me is near. His hand is close. It's on the table. Uh, in Mark's gospel, he says, it's the same person who dips their, the bread in with me in the dish, that close. Now, why is Jesus saying this? Well, throughout the Gospels, we see that the disciples have very high views of themselves, don't they? You notice that? If you look um, just, uh, just after this, they, as soon as this meal finishes, they argue who's the greatest. You know, who's, who's the best? I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. And they, they, they kind of vie in for this position. In a, a, a few verses down as well, Jesus walks over to Peter and says, Peter, tonight you're going to deny me three times. What does Peter say? I go to death for you, Jesus. I, I'm not going to deny you. There's this self-confidence in themselves. And Jesus lovingly is saying, one of you is going to betray me. He's showing them that one of them could be the betrayer. We know there was only one, but in one sense, all of them denied Jesus and betrayed him and left him, didn't they? They all, they all fled. 
But Jesus in his grace is saying, don't underestimate your weakness and your sinfulness and your heart. To underline it, as I said, look what comes next. Jesus, um, where they say, who's the greatest? Peter thought he'd be strong, but he was weak. So Jesus lovingly in this meal is showing them their weakness, getting them to kind of question their hearts and to see this could be me. The disciples are saying, I'm strong enough, I can handle anything. But Jesus says, watch out. Now, maybe at the moment in your life, you're being made aware of weaknesses, being made aware of areas in your life that you fail in, that you struggle in. And maybe you know there's something that you find hard and that you fall into or you, you struggle in this area. Jesus loves you so much, he's showing you. It is not comfortable, it is not nice, but he might show you something. Something that has happened over this past week that you think, I can't believe I said that or did that or I can't believe that happened or I can't believe I thought in that way about that person. And suddenly you're aware, I'm, I'm more sinful than I realized. That is God's loving kindness to you. Jesus is gently and tenderly showing you, look out, watch your heart. You can't do this in your own strength. He wants you to trust in him and his grace, not in your own strength and wisdom. That's the great news, isn't it, that the gospel reminds us. Weakness in the gospel is not a disqualifier, but a qualifier. We come to Jesus, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. But look what else Luke is showing us here. Judas is betraying. Peter is denying, and we know in the, the Gospels that they, they all fled. But Jesus says, this is my body, and Luke adds, verse 19, do you see? Which is broken, which is given for you. Who is Jesus given his life for? Those who've got it sorted, the worthy, the brave, the, the fruitful, the faithful, those who have merit? No, he's looking around at people who in a few hours are going to run away because they're scared, who let him down. This is how one commentator puts it. The original Last Supper is attended by traitors and cowards. It's not a table of merit, but a table of grace. So Jesus here doesn't lay down his life for the worthy, but the unworthy. The, one, the ones who couldn't stay awake a bit later on in verse, um, verses 39 to 40 down there. They couldn't stay awake when Jesus said, can you please pray for me? They were weak. They were failures. So the message of the gospel is not for those who have it sorted, not for those of us who have it together, if any of us do. No, it's a table of grace. Isn't that a great reminder? The posture that the communion table uh, reminds us of is one of humility. One of, wow, I'm sinful, and I don't understand my own heart. It's wicked and deceitful, and I need to be careful with that, and I need others to help me with it. And wonderfully, Jesus says, yes, come. If you know your weakness, come. Now, later that night, Peter does deny Jesus, doesn't he? And he flees. And Luke 22, um, verse 60, you see what he says there? Peter says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Yeah, again, that verse is so heartbreaking, isn't it? Can you imagine that look? After everything we've done together, Peter. Now, when Jesus rises again, do you remember what um, Mary, Jesus tells Mary? Go and tell the disciples and Peter, I'm alive, I'm back. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to say that. Just tell the disciples. Peter was one of them. Make sure Peter hears I'm back. 
if he was restored peter experienced the grace and the love and the kindness and in 1 peter 5 he says the god of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in christ will himself restore confirm strengthen and establish you peter experienced that grace and that kindness do you need to hear that this morning have you wandered jesus beckons you to say come you know this isn't you don't earn your position here this is a table of grace let this table be a reminder to us of the gospel posture we need i don't deserve a thing jesus has done it all i'm a mess i'm a failure but jesus loves me all the same he came for you humility that's the gospel posture that communion brings this is why we need to keep taking communion we need to hear the peace that it brings we need to have this posture that it helps us with now, the third thing it is the reason we take it is because of the gospel people it reminds us of now the passover meal was a hugely important festival for the jews as i said all the family would get together it was a really busy time uh, and just like our christmas it had its own rituals and so everybody knew what the routine was there were four cups that would be drunk in the passover meal and in between each cup that was drunk a bit more of the passover story was told because you know what it's like with repetition when you repeat things you just remember it don't you and so it's a healthy thing to keep remembering things and uh, and repeating them so after the first cup the, the youngest would ask the father you know why is tonight different and the father would then tell the story of the passover and what went on and what happened and why they're remembering it but you see that's why this is so interesting jesus here gathers his disciples to meet with him and he's explaining to them the passover and what it really means and what it was always pointing to now normally with their families they would be doing this but this time jesus is doing it with them and this is hugely significant and he says remember that verse in verse 15 i have earnestly desired to spend this passover meal with you deeply desperately wanted to share this time with the disciples to explain what was about to happen he's taking that role as it were of the father in the family and he's looking at these brothers in christ and he is telling them look let me tell you what this really is this is the new family this is the new um, family of christ you are united together your brothers and sisters take this meal remember what jesus says in matthew 12 um, people were speaking and his mother and his brothers stood outside and wanted to speak to him but he replied to the man who told him who is my mother and who are my brothers and he stretched out his hand over the disciples and says here are my mother and my brothers whoever does the will of my father in heaven my brother and sister and mother so the lord's table communion reminds us that we are brothers and sisters in christ that we're a family this is a family meal uh, that it is uh, you know as you have a family meal as you will know they're not always perfect are they as much as you'd like them to be they can be messy they can be arguments they can be fallouts but when you come together and sit and talk it is a reminder to us isn't it that we are one in christ you know here around the table was was peter the denier and yet he was part of this family we forgive because we've been forgiven so it's a good thing isn't it when we come around the table to remember we're family to remember we're brothers and sisters in christ and it's a good time to ask am i holding anything against anyone is there any grudge or bitterness that i've got do i need to deal with something with somebody is there a conversation i need to have however awkward is there an apology i need to make see this is why we need to regularly be taking this um, meal together 
Now, we should hate disunity. It goes against the gospel. It goes against what Jesus is all about. And when we think of the posture that we have, the gospel posture, the grace I've received, how can I not show that to others? The forgiveness I've received, how can I not show others? Now, maybe you're not a believer here today, and maybe you're not sure where you belong. You say, well, am I a part of this family or not? You know, and maybe you, you feel on the outside of things. Maybe in life you feel on the outside. And you look at church and think, well, I can't be welcome there. Not because of my past or my failure, what I've done. You know, if you think this church is full of perfect people, then you are very wrong. We've, we're failures, all of us. And we come here needing the grace and forgiveness of God. And the death of Jesus is a reminder to us we're all in the same boat. Communion is that reminder to us. So anybody is welcome. Anybody can come and be part of this family. We turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me for all the wrong I've done. See, we need to, we can't look down on anybody, can we? So if you are thinking, oh, well, am I part of this? Why not turn to Jesus today? Why not ask for his forgiveness and know the joy that comes with it? So the gospel peace, that's why we take communion, because of the peace, the posture, the people. And the fourth thing is this, the gospel partaking. It is a P, but it does work because of the partaking, because we take part in this, the reason. Let let me explain. Jesus wanted his disciples to to give us something, wanted his disciples to have something that will remind them of the cross and the reminder of the importance of the message and what he's done for them. So he gives us a meal. It's pretty significant why he gives us a meal. Firstly, because it's personal. You know, you, you don't go to a supermarket, do you? Look at all the food, you know, see all the fruit and the veg and the tins and the, go down the frozen aisle, and then you leave and say, oh, that was a nice, I'm full up now. Now, you don't look at food to be filled up. You need to eat it, don't you? You actually need to physically put it in your body. You have to taste it. When thinking about Jesus' death, looking at it, isn't enough. Understanding it isn't enough. No, to really uh, enjoy the gospel, it needs to be personal. It needs to, uh, you have to taste it and experience it for yourself. So the question for you this morning and for me is, is the cross personal? Have you made it personal? Is it uh, true for you? Not, do you know about it? Could you answer a quiz about it? You know, no, no, no do you know Jesus? Could you sing the last hymn we sang? This is my story. This is my song. I am praising my Savior. He is mine. Is it personal for you? Have you asked for forgiveness? You have to partake. You have to take this in. See, it's important why this is a meal. Jesus did this for me. And if you can say that, then wonderful. Rejoice. But as well, the other thing about food and having meals is this, isn't it? I know at the end of some meals, you might think, I don't need to eat ever again. You know, you ever felt like that? Again, thinking of Christmas, often we might feel like that on Christmas Day. Oh, I'm I'm stuffed, I can't eat anymore. But then by four o'clock when the turkey sandwiches come out, you're like, well, maybe, maybe I can fit a bit more in. And the next day, you're back to normal. You need to keep eating. And in the same way, we need to keep remembering and experiencing the gospel. One meal isn't enough. Well, that's it now. I've trusted in the gospel. I am fine. No, we need to keep coming back to Jesus all the time. Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all. It's done. It's dusted. But our understanding and our comprehension and our lives need to keep on hearing and digesting the gospel. Are you feasting on the gospel? Are you enjoying it daily? 
And the same way as with food, if you have a bad, unhealthy diet, that's going to show itself in your body, isn't it, and in your life. It affects you. But if you have a healthy diet, that's going to affect your body and your life as well. So are you, as you consume the gospel, is that showing in your life? Are you showing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, tenderness and gentleness and kindness, uh, patience, self-control? Is that being revealed through your life? The only way it will is when we're trusting in Jesus and the Spirit is working and uh, we're, we're kind of enjoying digesting the gospel. So that's partaking in the gospel. That's why we need to keep doing it because a meal isn't enough. It is personal. The last thing is this. The communion gives us gospel perspective. The last supper gives us gospel perspective. Look at verse 16 with me. Uh, Jesus says, I tell you, I will not eat this until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He's looking forward. Verse 18, he tells us again, I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So the first Passover was pointing forward to the true liberation uh, that Jesus brings. You know, they were set free, promised land, uh, and you go into your true home. And Jesus is saying here, look, this meal is going to point forward to another time. The Jews, as they were eating, were thinking, right, we're packing our clothes, we're packing our bags because we're, we're off. We go in and we're heading to the promised land. So as we take communion, we remember we kind of have our bags packed because this isn't our home. Our true home is yet to come. Our true home is in glory, in um, when Jesus returns. The Lord's Supper reminds us of this, doesn't it? Think of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, what I've received uh, from the Lord, I deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my cup. And then he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. An important part of communion is this perspective that we get that this isn't the end, that Jesus is returning. I remember how Colossians 1 puts it, in him is the fullness of God uh, was pleased to dwell and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things through the blood, work of the blood of the cross, making peace by the blood of his cross. He's going to reconcile to himself all things. That means he's going to fix everything. The, the cross of Jesus was the start now of all things being made new. And one day, when Jesus returns, he's going to fix everything. We're on the winning side. Jesus is going to come back, and it's going to be okay. And when we take communion, that is where our eyes need to be as well. Do you see how that helps us in our daily lives? It reminds us this isn't our home. It reminds us not to get too comfortable, to not be surprised when things in this life um, just make us long for more or better because we were made for more and better. It, it helps us in the darkness to remember that there's a hope of a light at the end of the tunnel, however dark our tunnel might feel at the moment. It means whatever our struggle, there is an end to it. And after that end, a glorious future. One, time, one day, everything will be made right. You know, this points to as well a time where we will eat together again in glory. You know, as we think over the past few months of our brothers and sisters in our fellowship that are now in glory, one day we will be with them again. One day we will eat with them again, as it were, with the, with the Lord. We will rejoice together. It's not the end. And you see, that gives us hope now. It helps us with our battles now. 
we sang the last hymn we sang was by uh, fanny crosby and uh, she wrote other hymns pass me not O gentle savior uh, to god be the glory and as a baby she had an infection in her eyes and she was given the wrong treatment and as a result she ended up being blind for life but what was her hope listen to what she said it seemed intended by the blessed providence of god that i should be blind all my life and i thank him for the dispensation if perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow i would not accept it i might not have sung hymns to the praise of god if i'd been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me if i had a choice i would uh, still choose to remain blind for when i die the first face i will ever see will be the face of my blessed savior see that hope kept her going with her struggles and with her discomfort he became the priority he was her true vision one day we will see him keep going the darkness only lasts so long keep going communion reminds us there is a gospel hope and one day we will be together with the lord forever do you know you're going if you don't today don't put it off trust in him he's done it all for you he is the one who loved you enough to give this his life for you to set you free and if you are trusting we need this gospel message all the time don't we it brings us this this posture that we need it, it brings us that it reminds us of the people that we're united with to go together it brings us this glorious hope of the future and reminds us that we need to do this and make this personal so let's pray that the peace that passes all understanding will be given to us today we're going to sing in a moment but before we do let me pray father forgive us for thinking that we don't need the gospel so often forgive us for thinking that we know it all we know there's so much more to learn and experience of our savior keep us lord with our eyes on jesus we ask and we pray this in jesus name amen